becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the It's a dream that you to make real. Passing note of the song. Glimmer, glimmer, shift the ship scene. See. I'm ready. I'm ready. You ready? All right. Let's All right. toast. Let's toast to the shores. To the shores. Welcome back, everyone. Mm-hmm. Glad to have you here. Thanks for listening. Yeah, we actually already have a name for this podcast. That's unusual. <laughs> it's very unusual. Usually, well, at least the, over the last year, we. Well, we generally kind of just like wax on some of the topics that we've been talking about offline and thinking about, and then a theme emerges, and then we name the podcast, which is always quite difficult, Mm -hmm. which is why we're so erratic with (laughs) how and when we release our podcasts. Uh So sometimes it'll be like none for a month, and then here's five. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but we were talking ahead of time, and we came up with a theme already. Yeah. So we're going to try to talk to you about it, put some bones, some meat on the bones, is that what you say? Yeah. Some bones on the meat. Flesh it out. Flesh it out. Mm-hmm. So the theme is thinking differently. Yeah. Not in the Apple computer sense. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was their slogan for a long time. <laughs> um, but something I've been thinking a lot about. Thinking differently. Yeah. I think uh, you kind of went on a, a, a whole bunch of stuff before we came on the podcast and the Pete Terry's line for Pete Terry's. We're sponsored by Pete Terry's. <laughs> um, yeah. So maybe I'll start here and then yeah. we can see where it takes us. Cool. For whatever reason, it's occurred to me lately that life is just absolutely so full of things to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll put it that way. <clears throat> so incredibly full of things to do. Um, and there are so many absolutely incredibly wonderful things to do. Mm-hmm. And there's so many ways to describe that. <clears throat> we were um, talking outside earlier and this helicopter flew over really low. Um, like we have helicopters, <laughs> you know, and it's so normal. We don't even think about it. Yeah. But go watch a video on how a helicopter works. It's a miracle. Yeah. And we have those. We have so many of them that we don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. You can go hover in the air if you want to. That's something available to you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we have rockets that regularly go to space. Yeah. And are, are being reused now. And even. are being reused. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know... That's not quite so accessible, but I think that it really will be mm-hmm. probably in all of our lifetimes. Um, even just to as, things as simple as, um, I don't know, parks, restaurants, mm-hmm. we drive automobiles on roads. The, the life that we live is so full and so vibrant. And so we spend so much of our time ignoring it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and I think for, well, so maybe that's one of the seeds of think differently. Yeah. What is it that, that like maybe be amazed con- like on purpose mm-hmm. at the things around you? Yeah. And this has nothing to do. I don't think with, um, sort of like ideas of socioeconomic uh, status or class or access at all. Mm -hmm. This is not the conversation I'm having. Um, And maybe I'll let you chime in there. Well, something that I was thinking about, like even the theme of thinking differently, uh, it just reminded me of, I think it was this week or, or end of last week, so I, I, I do the same walk every day, maybe twice or three or four times a day uh, from my house to the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And as I was coming up to uh, this one section, uh, usually if it's in the summertime, I walk on one side because it's shaded. But when in the wintertime, I walk on the sun side because it's warm and it's cooled outside, you know. 
Um, anyways, it was weird. I, I saw myself <clears throat> at the very end of this long sidewalk and I was like, wow, it's so crazy. Like in about 45 seconds to two minutes, I'll be, I will be there, but I'm here right now. And so I walked the whole way. I was like, I kind of came to my attention. I was like, okay, now I'm here where I thought, where I knew I was going to be way back there. Like I could see myself there. And so the next day I, I came to that very spot and I was like, oh, wait a minute. I don't have to go this way. Hmm. So I chose to go a different way. And it was like around the building, around the other side. Hmm. And, and then I started thinking about like all the different ways that I could get to the coffee shop hmm. besides my normal route. Hmm. And like what, what things would that like kind of bring to my attention? Yeah. Cause like one, if you do the same thing over and over and over again, you get used to it and you've kind of put that out of your, out of your, um, the forefront of your mind. Yeah. But then when you do something different, you start to take it, you start to look around and, and take notice of things you wouldn't have taken notice of before because uh, it kind of goes that whole idea of thinking differently. Sometimes it's just shifting or changing or looking at it from a different perspective or yeah, taking the long way around or something like that. And you see, you end up at the same place. Like mm-hmm. your, your, your destination may be the same, mm-hmm. but the journey is completely different. And I think I also experienced that with the, with the breathing exercises and experiments, you know, yeah, yeah. um, when I'm making that same walk, I'll sit there and I'll be, Oh, I need to do the breathing stuff. And now, and all of a sudden I just start looking, Oh, look, look, all those birds in the tree. And it's like, all of a sudden my attention goes outside where if I hadn't have stopped and did the breathing exercise, I wouldn't have been aware or noticed these other things around me. Yeah. Right. So we, we don't have, we only have so much we can give attention to. Right. At any given time. And I think this is one of the, the most important or, or salient points about this thing. Think differently idea is that even from a simple, um, perception at, at the level of perception, mm-hmm. there is more to be perceived than you can possibly perceive. Mm. And, once you kind of start thinking about that and what that means, <clears throat> it gets a bit mind blowing, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and, and by that, so I'll try to break that down for a second. And this, this isn't um, like this idea, I think came mainly through some Jordan Peterson lectures, but it, it really is astounding that, that the complexity of what is available to be perceived is so high mm. that it's near infinite. Yeah. And so, or maybe it wasn't him who said this. I can't remember who it was, but it's basically said, or maybe it was, um, Ian McIlchrist. No, no, no. Oh. Um, the guy who wrote limitless. Oh, Jim quick. Yes. Something like <laughs> our, our brains are primarily deletion machi- machines. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Like your brain functions mostly to ignore mm. things so that you can perceive anything at all. Yeah. I mean, and you can think about this from a, a, a very, very micro level, <clears throat> like the amount of complexity on any given object itself is so great that you don't really see any of it. Mm-hmm. You register what it is or what it's for, but really not any of the details. And you could zoom in and in and in and find an infinite number of details. Mm-hmm. So your brain <clears throat> is, is selectively deleting almost everything so that you can function at all, mm-hmm. which means that, that there is so much around you to perceive. You could spend all of your time doing it. If mm. you wanted, there's so much available and that's true. That has been true for mm-hmm. all of time, but there's some, also something else that's very new. Um, that is, is kind of, um, uh, mind blowing, so I think we, we talked, um, maybe on, on the pod earlier about this idea that, you know, pre, at least pre internet, um, but even could sort of go back to like pre, let's say intercontinental phone lines and, and, mm. and, and, uh, you know, sort of mid 20th century, um, to change on a sort of like society level to change ideas, to change hearts and minds. It took intellectuals sitting and writing books. And then it took publishers to pick up those books and printing plants, 
to print them and then distributors to distribute them and libraries to house them and stores to sell them for ideas to propagate. Mm -hmm. Now in 2020, ideas propagate instantly through podcasts and tweets and blogs and, um, and we all own all of that means of distribution. Mm -hmm. Um, so even on an informational level, like the amount of access you have access to more information than you could ever possibly consume. Mm. You know, like there was this, uh, I think I read something about <clears throat> there's more content on Netflix than you could ever watch in a lifetime. <laughs> that's and, wild. And it's certainly true of things like YouTube. Uh-huh. Like this idea that there is more to be, you have at your fingertips more to learn and understand and interact with than you could ever possibly engage with. Yeah. And it's free, Mm -hmm. you know, for the vast majority of the planet, for 100% of the people who are listening to this podcast. Yeah. So we are rich beyond imagination Mm -hmm. and this has nothing to do with money. Yeah. I mean, I I suppose it could, if you wanted it to, Mm -hmm. um, there's plenty to be learned about how to make money and what to do with it. Mm-hmm. That's just one of the infinite number of things that are available for us to learn. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's like once you sort of acknowledge that, what does it mean to wake up in the morning in that world? Yeah. In the world, in a world where at least from a knowledge perspective, mm-hmm. everything is available to you. Yeah. There's very few people in the, in the West or in the U S specifically that do not have a smartphone phone of some sort. Uh, even, um, you know, uh, uh, the homeless on the streets, you know, I see a lot of them with, uh, with devices also, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, but this isn't even limited to, to that. No, uh, yeah. I'm like just like even about, without yeah. a device, like, oh, true. you know, at least here in the U S mm-hmm. anyone can walk into a public library and sit down and use the internet for free. Mm-hmm. And go watch a limitless number of hours of lectures from Stanford uh, (laughs) professors. Uh I I mean, I think that there's something historical. um, Maybe historical isn't the right word, but we tend to get, um, well, we get stuck in a mode of thinking. Mm-hmm. And that mode of thinking manifests itself inside as, as something like, well, that's not for me. Um, so what do you mean? Yeah. Well, so, um, well, okay, use the helicopter example or, mm-hmm. or maybe the, the rocket ship example is a better one. Um, Hey, that's something that we did humanity. Mm-hmm. We did that. Like add that to the list of incredible mind blowing things that, we have done mm-hmm. that is available to us as humanity. And then inside you go, yeah, but that's for those people. It's not for me. Mm. You know, maybe another example is like you drive down the street and there's a, on Lamar here, there's a Ferrari dealership mm-hmm. you drive by and you're like, those are like, that's a crazy looking car, right? Mm-hmm. That's not for me. Yeah. Um, or you hear somebody talk, in a way that it's hard to understand, but it's absolutely inspiring about physics. Mm-hmm. And you think, well, that's not for me. I'm not, I'm not a physicist and mm-hmm. I never could be. And I guess the point that I'm trying to make here is think differently about those things mm. because the only reason those things aren't for you is because you've decided that they're not for you. Mm-hmm. Like whatever the means of acquiring access to those things are available yeah. at an, at a, at a rate that you couldn't even consume all of them, even if you tried. Yeah. So, you know, without like trying to go too far in that direction, there are certainly things that you will never do mm-hmm. and things that you won't have access to do. Um, you know, not all of us are going to play in the NBA and I'm never going to be a fighter jet pilot. Like, that ship has sailed Mm -hmm. um, for numerous reasons that are obvious. Um, But I just, I've just been so um, 
fascinated with this idea that there is so much to be known and to be had and to be experienced that I never could experience all of it. And it leaves me in this position of thinking, well, what do I want to experience? Hmm. What do I want to know? And, and to then to wake up in the morning and say, how do I, how will I do that? What's interesting. Uh, uh, there's, <clears throat> there's also almost a question that precedes that there is maybe a lesser degree of that question is that like, what is available to me now? Um, cause I feel like that's a limiting perspective as far as like, uh, not what you were saying, but, um, thinking of all the things that you can't or can't you, that you can't have like the Ferrari. I can't have that. Well, not right now. Mm-hmm. It's possible you could have that in the future. You know, there's some steps you could probably take to do that, but I think there's something about the mindset and what you, if you give your attention to all the things that you cannot have or do not have, um, I mean, it's just a very limiting uh, perspective that actually um, sort of enslaves you, yeah, you know? Right. Um, uh, and I think there's a, there's a lot of rhetoric right now, I think around of what you do not have or, or uh, that someone, what others have that you don't, that you don't. Yeah. Right. And that <clears throat> is so limiting. Mm-hmm. And why would we do that to ourselves or to anyone else when there is so much to be had? Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's so many, there's so many, I think there's so many wisdom, uh, tropes or, uh, sayings that we've just kind of forgotten that, you know, in order to go a mile, you need to take a step hmm. and everyone, many people look down the road and say, Oh, it's so far away. I can't make that. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, well, you got to take a step first. Yeah. And that's one thing I've been, it's been really more and more ingrained on me with, uh, some of the. Uh, I'm not a person to work out, you know, I hate working out, <laughs> but like, uh, it's like, no, I can do three minutes of jumping jacks. Mm-hmm. I usually do five to seven, but I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it. It's like, uh, I can do a minute and I, I you know, it's like, yeah. so I do it and I end up doing like, you know, five minutes or whatever, you know, but, um, but there's something about just taking those little steps to what you do have and what you are capable of or yeah. responsible for. And I find that I'm actually capable of more in, yeah. those, in those areas. So. But you have to engage it to mm-hmm. find it. Yeah. And think differently. It's not like, oh, man, I can't do 10 minutes. Like the Goggins thing where he was doing mm-hmm. 10 minutes of jumping jacks. I couldn't do that. It's like, yeah. I barely did three minutes and I was dying. Right. And I was like, but I can do three. And that's, that's, that's something, you know? Right. But. Yeah. Another sort of part of the seed to this idea, I think does come from, um, this idea of breath that you and I have been introduced to through Mm. James Nestor, which I think we've mentioned on the pod before. Um, I came away from that book thinking differently Mm. and, and here's, here's why the things that he describes that people have done in that Mm. book are things that were thought to be impossible. Mm. So, you know, for instance, Wim Hof was on purpose injected with an uh, endotoxin extracted from E. coli, mm-hmm. which generally, if you're like injected with it, will make you immediately start vomiting and apparently like having diarrhea. It's really bad. Um, he was injected with it, no symptoms. He trained 20 people in his breathing method, did the same experiment, no symptoms. Yeah. Like, what is that? He can control his vagus nerve, mm. which is a part of the autonomous autonomic nervous system yeah. willfully. It was thought impossible such that it was categorized as you have no control over it. That's why it's a part of the autonomic nervous system, mm-hmm. but he's controlling it. Like what is it? How much is available to us that we are simply deleting from our perceptions based upon maybe disbelief, lack of being willing to try, um, lack, lack of exploring things that are outside the zeitgeist or outside mm-hmm. of, um, sort of what fits squarely within the Overton window of maybe medicine. I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm just struck with this idea of <clears throat> there is vastly more things available to you mm. than you are aware. It also reminds me of the, uh, four minute mile, like like nobody thought you could break the four minute mile. And that one guy did, I forgot his name. Mm. And then once he did, 
I other people like started 1300 other people broke that right, and kept right. breaking that record yeah it's like once once that possibility is open people start thinking differently it's like oh he could that guy did it then it's possible it's possible it was yeah. uh, nobody tried before because mm-hmm. it was thought impossible mm-hmm. yeah there's gosh i mean elon musk just makes me think differently you know yeah just a boring company. We've talked about him so much on this. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. need to go into all that. <clears throat> well, I think that this is the first. So last podcast we talked about, well, so I, it, I named it. I didn't run this by you. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, what did I, I hate it. No. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? <laughs> uh, what did I name it? How, how good could good be? Oh, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. So the theme that we started with last week was life is hard. Mm-hmm. And it's something we were both feeling. And, and then we, worked our way into this idea of extracting potential from the future mm-hmm. um, and how good could good be. And then I think, well, if you are going to answer that question, um, well, first you have to think differently mm-hmm. about, well, about what good is and about how good it could be. Mm-hmm because we all have some idea of the trajectory of our lives and what, how good tomorrow will be. And we, and you know, maybe there's a range, but so you've got to think differently to extract um, or expand that range and say, no, it could be better than I was previously thinking. Mm -hmm. And then how? So if I've imagined that it could be better, then I have to ask myself, well, how could I work towards that? And then that, now that comes the first step of the, you know, the mile walk or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I feel so inspired by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, as you're, as you're saying that, it would just remind me of this, um, um, there's a verse, uh, and I think in Philippians in the Bible or something like that it talks about like, um, and God will do immeasurably more than all that you ask and want, uh, or you can even think of. And there's this, it, it's this, there's this kind of realm of, possibility that once you start going down that road mm. of thinking differently or thinking outside the box and not under the limits that are presented to you, that the world just starts to open up and that you, the possibilities become so great and grand that you can't even comprehend mm. like what will actually, where that first step is actually going to take you. Yeah. Well, maybe that's kind of part of the problem that we were talking about last week with Mm -hmm. dead metaphors. And and maybe we have, you know, all of the wisdom of, of, or maybe certain sets of wisdom have been lost to, well, to sort of isms, like thinking outside the box. Mm -hmm. So you hear that and you're kind of like, whatever that that means, you know, (laughs) you know, classic, whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm limited. Motivational speaking. (laughs) Yeah. Uh But I think if you actually flesh out what that means, it becomes pretty compelling. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite um, TED Talks, I think it's actually the most popular TED Talk mm-hmm. ever, is from Sir Ken Robinson. I think it's called School Kills Creativity. Oh, yeah. You mentioned that before. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're getting to where I don't remember what I mentioned <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> totally. um, but he talks about how children, well, they think outside the box. Mm-hmm. Um, in a, you know, and that, that, that phrase becomes somewhat dead to us as we're older, but what does that mean? And, and he gives the example that if you ask an adult, you know, Hey, what could you do with a pencil? Hmm. Like write down all the things you could do with a pencil. Hmm. An adult immediately categorizes and classifies a pencil in their mind without even, you know, being conscious of it. Well, it's, you know, it's eight inches long. It's, uh, two centimeters in diameter. It's got graphite in the middle. It's made of wood. Mm-hmm. Whereas a child will go, well, how big is the pencil? What's it made of? Is it stiff? Is it floppy? Is it 10 miles high? It's like, you know, they, they don't have these categories. Mm-hmm. They're thinking somehow differently. Yeah. And I think that that's available to us. We can think that way. It's, yeah. you know, it's difficult and maybe not always expedient and, um, and helpful to get, you know, way off in the weeds. Like we're, we're trying to solve problems here, not think creatively necessarily all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe just practicing being, as I said at the beginning, consciously aware of how 
incredibly, insanely, wonderfully rich everything around you is mm-hmm. will simply change the way that you think. And maybe it is, as you said, just taking a different path somewhere and noticing the difference. And it's almost, it's, it's, I know this is, uh, uh, I don't want to say demeaning, but could be misconstrued in a certain way. But I've, I've found this in, uh, when I'm in the worst places like business wise or whatever, so it's actually, I think people that are in more difficult situations, uh, are, are more prone to different thinking. Um, because, you know, when you don't have the comfort of, uh, of group thought or same thinking as other people, uh, but you're in a bad situation and you need to get out of it. Like I think of even like ADHD, a bunch of these sort of like learning disabilities is so many of our entrepreneurs that have come from those backgrounds, they had to learn to think differently. Mm. Uh, maybe they're being taught a certain way and, um, they had to learn how to learn differently and cope around with different mechanisms and stuff like that. So I think there's a real value. So I could see someone saying, well, Hey, I don't have, I'm not, these things aren't available to me. I don't have this or that, or I come from this background or this parent group or whatever it might be. And you're locking yourself into a particular perspective Mm -hmm. when you actually might have a bigger advantage because you may have a more difficult life than those around you. Um, and that that's actually a benefit to, um, to thinking differently and doing, yeah. and kind of breaking through in areas that other people that maybe have more comfortable lives can't and won't. Yeah. And I, I don't mean can't, but more won't do it because they are comfortable in whatever zeitgeist or, or, um, ideology that they're uh, uh, yeah, accepting. I, I don't even know if I want to accept that it's a function of comfort necessarily. It did, I mean, I, th- I do think that comfort can breed single-mindedness or, or close-mindedness in mm-hmm. some respects. Um, I think it's more of a function of when you put together two different points of view, both points of view expand. Mm-hmm simply by interacting. Yeah. I mean, it's the same concept as taking a different path on, you know, a different sidewalk mm-hmm. or around the building or whatever. You see something different. It's a different perspective. And that's often what causes success, you know, in the entrepreneur that comes in and, and has a new startup and disrupts everything. And then you look at the startup from the outside and you think, we already have three of those categories of business. Why mm-hmm. is this one succeeding? Well, mm-hmm. they saw it slightly differently. Yeah. And that meant something. And it occurs to me that this is a lesson that we really need in the U.S. right now. Um, I think that there are, well, at, at least, I'm treading lightly here because I don't know that I want to go into the current <laughs> political landscape, but, um, well, we have two parties. And I think that's really important because we need to be exposed to a different way of thinking to check our own way of thinking and to see things that we wouldn't otherwise see because again, our perspective is necessarily limited. Mm -hmm. We have to delete almost everything so that we can function at all. So you have a necessarily limited perspective and in order to affect change, we need to introduce something that's outside that perspective. Mm. And so we need at minimum, you know, these opposite ideas, contrary ideas. <clears throat> and I think as I look around and listen, you know, I think we probably all have over the last year and especially the last week as things have become sort of increasingly polarized and in my opinion, dangerous. Mm-hmm. We need to remember that to change this, we need to hear other perspectives if we, which is, I think, I think why it's dangerous is because what I see happening is people trying to delete the other perspective Mm. to label the other perspective as at fault and dangerous. And so delete it and then we'll be okay. Yeah. 
this is, it seems to me in, in light of where we've gone in this conversation, the most dangerous path forward. Hmm. Yeah, it is, it is disturbing. Um, I was talking to someone earlier today about something similar in this area of, you know, just hearing people talk about their parents, you know, whether they voted for Biden or Trump and how, how venomous they were. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, it's your parents. Don't it's, it's like, you know, there's something about that, that just by who you voted for puts you in a category that's right. You know, deplorable or whatever it might be, you know, extremist, extremist. Yeah. And I'm talking, I'm talking to both sides here. I'm not really, this is not a Trump or Biden thing specifically, which I find very disturbing in general that, that sort of closed, closed mindedness and not being able to think differently. Yeah. Like, okay, let me think. Okay. Not all Trump supporters are white supremacists, you know, in fact, there's a very, very small fraction. It's, it, we don't want to go into that. Uh, that's a whole other thing. You know, it's like, and not all Biden supporters are, you know, woke, woke Antifa, Antifa yeah. you know, I just hear these overgeneralizations that are just not helpful. Well, and I guess that's my point is the overgeneralizations are on purpose. Mm-hmm. They are overgeneralized so that they can be deleted. Mm. If I can, round up everything in an overgeneralization into a category that can be condemned and gotten rid of, that's convenient. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, I think you do that at your own peril because again, I think that to move forward or to grow, to change, and I use those three things interchangeably. I think that they're, they're the same, they're the same thing. Mm. Um, you, you have to be, you have to incorporate new information hmm. into, into the limited frame that you necessarily have to have in order to be functional in the world. Yeah. Well, there's, there's two things too. I mean, here, uh, you know, uh, how the Republican Congress acted towards Obama whenever he was trying to, uh, bring his Supreme court justice nominee to the, you know, so the Republicans were saying one thing. And then whenever the Republicans are the same thing, then the Democrats were saying the same thing. The Republicans were saying, right. And there was this contrary message, you know, and then you hear Hillary with her, you know, saying it was stolen from me. Mm-hmm. He's not the real president. Right. And there wasn't like the same backlash. There is the Trump who's saying, you know, it's like the exact same, the exact thing. same thing. And yeah. so it's like, you know, it's like, and then you have like Kamala is paying for, people to get out of jail that are committing crimes mm-hmm. and you know trump inciting violence <laughs> you know it's like it's like i, I just find i just find the, well it's the, all so hypocritical uh-huh. that it's like even i want to just overgeneralize it and just command elite <laughs> like uh, i'm annoyed uh-huh. you know yeah i I would be better off if I didn't have to think about all these contradictions and hypocrisies, but uh, our unity, but we're going to make everybody pay. <laughs> you know, there's just right. like, there's all these contrary right. messaging that's going out that it's like, I mean, well, unity, like, like it's forgiveness, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of, or we see things differently. There's an acceptance of, of a different, you know, it's also, you know, giving people the benefit of the doubt and not, uh, overgeneralizing them into their worst position or possible position. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, but I think I want to go back to think differently. I think we kind of, yeah, yeah, I know. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not sure where to take that from here. <clears throat> I, I'm well, let me, let me see if I can do something here. I'm like thinking differently. Uh, <clears throat> So uh, it's something that you and I take part in together a lot. It's like we role play (laughs) (laughs) and not with dress up or anything like that. (laughs) But like, uh, so like Matt will take a position or I'll take a position and then we'll take the opposite position and we'll argue, uh, in the best possible way from that position. Right. And I find that very helpful because it helps me think differently as I'm taking on that role. 
and trying to argue the best argument uh, from that position. Uh, so I think that's kind of lost uh, a lot. Um, even just uh, <clears throat> worldviews, you know, um, like what is your what is your worldview? I think that's something that we continually need to challenge. Um, you know, what are the what are the, what are your core values? You know, is it um, like when I, this one guy, uh, he was, uh, uh, telling me what it, he's like, yeah, just have these two words. Like he's not religious or anything like that, but, uh, he's like love and mercy. Like, I just feel like this 2021 is love and mercy. Hmm. And I was like, and it's just stuck with me. It's hmm. like imprinted in my brain when he said that, you know, um, that's awesome. Earlier today, I, <clears throat> I felt compelled to like open up a, a, a note and just start writing down words that seemed like themes. Hmm which is like, sounds like what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Like these seem like themes, whether they exist or need to exist. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really important exercise. I think it is. It's, but I, I think that to explore that and, and to truly engage people that are of differing perspectives yeah. with a generous and questioning heart, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, I think it's really important to be able to, to listen and to not speak, you know? Yes. <clears throat> well, maybe in, in the same way that there is an infinite number of things available to you learn, to learn, mm-hmm. which we were, you know, talking about as a, as a, a consequence of technological innovation and the internet specifically, um, which we should all be like daily thankful for <laughs> uh, the um, oh, can we invoke Louis CK has, has it been enough time <laughs> I, I'm, I'm fine with it so. <laughs> he had this bit this is years ago he was talking about like being on an airplane and um, you know like the person next to him is complaining that the Wi-Fi is not working well enough and he's like are you serious like I feel like the proper reaction to simply being on an airplane <laughs> at all should just be like Oh my God, I'm 30,000 feet in the air. You know, like, like, have we forgotten so quickly that no one flew at all Uh until 1911, I think. Yeah. And that wasn't really even flying. No, yeah, it's the Wright brothers. They like, okay. So, um, the technological innovation is incredible. So you, you have, it's so incredible that we almost can't, it's like, well, again, this goes back to the idea of you've got to delete almost everything so you can even function. Mm-hmm. Like if we spent our time being amazed at how far we've come technologically, even of the last 20 years, yeah. that's all we would do is just simply sit around screaming at how incredible <laughs> this all is. Uh-huh. Maybe we um, need that. Yeah. Um, but in the same way, so as you were talking, you know, just about having conversations with people, there's something to be learned from every single person that you interact with. I mean, just try that on for size for a second. Mm. That's incredible. Every single person you interact with, there is something you can learn from them. There's a, there's a gold mine in that idea. Yeah. I mean, if you start focusing on that, it will, well, certainly change things. I mean, that's why I got into coffee was I, I used to hang out at Metro Espresso Bar here in Austin, Texas, which is now a Medici, which is kind of cool. Mm. Uh, the Guadalupe. The Guadalupe. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, man, I would talk to people from every religious background, philosophical background, economic background. I mean, it was just, that place was just a library of, a, and I, and it just, that was one place that taught me is just, just scratch under the surface. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, even like a, a I remember this one guy who was a Satanist and, you know, at first I was like, okay, you don't like want to sacrifice me. You know, it's like, I had no idea. Like, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> but I like, you know, just, just talking to him about that stuff, you know, it was like, uh, uh, you know, I, I learned about like the, yeah, anyways, um, but everybody has this like little fascinating story underneath all their, yeah, yeah. yeah all these little uh, quiet moments that you don't know who they are and you just scratch a little bit. Yeah. And I would say that's going to be primarily positive, but it could also be negative. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can have an interaction with somebody and learn something about something you definitely want to stay away from, you know? Um, 
there's something good in that too, though. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it learning something is good. Mm-hmm. Especially like whenever you start scratching on the surface of where that came from. Like whenever I uh, worked for Texas Department of Criminal Justice, as I would sit on interviews across from people. I think I mentioned this podcast before, but make a long story short, is like they'd go through the rap sheet and I'm like, that person, that kid did those things. Mm, yeah. It like just, how's that possible? It just didn't compute, you know, yeah, and it was just, right. it was such a, but then you also know that a lot of these kids were abused and came from really bad, you know, backgrounds and stuff like that. It's like, you know, it's like, how do you, how do you come out of that and think differently? And then you think about the people that have come from those situations that have learned to think differently. Yeah. They end up being amazing. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like making huge, a lot of them go back to the prison system and do reading programs or, you know, it's like all these different things because they, you know, saw something different and they want to give back to people Mm. because they did see something different and it got them out, you know, and that's, uh, there's just something powerful in people that can, look at the world through a different lens and it's usually never through the, I can't or, um, the limiting perspective. Right. Hmm. Yeah. The, I can't, the limiting perspective isn't generative. Mm-mm. It doesn't create anything. Hmm. Yes, please. Um, Yeah, I'm running low on, on, on where to take that from here. I'm, I, just, I honestly just feel so struck by this idea mm-hmm. that I, I've, I've found a new excitement to get up in the morning. Well, tell me about some of the stuff. I mean, because uh, you know, you're doing a lot of the breathing stuff and mm-hmm. yoga and okay, uh, so, sh- cold showers. I mean, I feel yeah. like there's a lot of things that you, that you are experimenting with right now that have caused you also to think differently. Yeah. yeah, That's been a part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think that, that, well, there's been a number of books. Um, the breath book has been the one that's sort of like up for me right now, but I also think, um, Ian McGilchrist's master and his emissary Mm. has been pretty transformative. Um, you know, but one thing that's been amazing to me recently is, is an, uh, uh, an exercise from the breath book that he recommends at the end. There's like a, a number of breathing exercises he goes through in, in details. And one is, um, it's called uh, breath hold walking. Hmm. And the idea is that you go out for a walk and sort of breathe easily and normally for a bit. And then at some point on your exhale, at the end of your exhale, just stop and hold your breath and walk and count your steps and see how many steps you can go before your air hunger gets overwhelming and you need to breathe again. Um, this isn't fun by the way. (laughs) Um, but it's really interesting what happens. So I'll walk and I'll do this and breathe all the way out and hold. And the first time I do it, I can get to about 20 steps. The second time, usually 25, third, usually 30. Um, his friend who recommended this to him in the book says that his record is 130 steps. Damn. That's a lot. Um, and, and I can't tell you exactly what's going on with this exercise because there's a relationship between oxygen and carbon dioxide exchange. You actually need carbon dioxide in order to, um, ferry the oxygen in and out of Mm. your cells. And so increased carbon dioxide exposure can actually feed oxygen deeper into your cells than over oxygenating, which is really interesting. So you do this and the result is that you get this, like after you're done holding and you breathe in oxygen, oxygen exchanges for all that carbon dioxide that's been building up in your lungs and rushes into all of your cells and you get this burst of circulation Mm. and it feels like your hands and feet heat up Mm. And your brain, it's like you feel lightheaded for a second and then you feel like clear. Mm. It's crazy. And this goes back to like, what are we capable of that we're not accessing at all? And it's been an interesting experiment. Um, Cold showers is the same, kind of the same way. Mm -hmm. Like it sucks, (laughs) (laughs) you know, 
it, especially at the beginning, it's mm-hmm. so bad. Yeah. It's yeah. so bad. Yeah. And you do it and you bear it and you grunt and you, you know, whimper. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you try to control your breathing and, mm-hmm. and then, you know, you count to 30 or maybe 60 if you're, uh, feeling, <laughs> feeling Goggins on it. Um, stay hard. And, <laughs> and then you get out and you feel, I don't know, mm-hmm. like energized, alive. It, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Alive. Exactly. Like buzzing with aliveness. Well, there's also this point too, like in the, sh- in, when you do the cold shower, and I feel like this is an example of, you know, whether it's running yoga, uh, any sort of exercise, or you're putting your body to a stress, you're stressing your body or stressing yourself is you have a point of uncomfortableness. Mm-hmm. And then once you kind of work past that place, there's a sort of euphoric moment that you kind of start to get into. So I, I kind of like the runner's high or like the runner's high. But then I feel like even with, I, I experienced mostly with the cold shower thing is like, there's this point where I, I, I kind of accept the coldness. Right. And I don't feel as, uh, impacted by it, yeah. you know? And I, I find that way with when I, in the morning when I do my jumping jacks and I start and I, and then there's this point where I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's work. And then I'm like, then there's a sort of acceptance of it. And I actually maybe subconsciously start to understand the goodness that it's doing to my body. I might not really, my body might be saying, Hey, no, this is really good for me. <laughs> I don't know how that works, you know? Right. Um, so it makes me, again, it makes me think differently about like me being in stressful situations. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. this morning when I was taking my walk, um, Sorry, this might be a little bit too uh, um, self-congratulatory, but I was thinking, I was like, man, I should be so much more stressed out right now. Hmm. I mean, I'm under a lot of stress and, and I do, I am stressed, but I mean, but I was just thinking about, you know, trying to keep a company running through all this and this pandemic and keeping everybody together and all the different factors are going in, are involved in with that you know, not too much detail and all that, but, um, uh, and I was really thankful. I mean, it's like, don't get me wrong. I'm stressed. Don't, I'm not saying that, but it's like, but I felt like I was like, I was like, Oh wow. But I could be more stressed and I don't, I I still feel the ability to think outside the box or, Mm -hmm. you know, that that I don't want to be limited by these limitations that are around that around me or that could be forced on to me. Like, Well, could you say, you know, you're not the result of your environment. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think that we tend to think of ourselves that way sort of by default. Mm -hmm. Like I'm stressed because my cortisol is high. Why is my cortisol high? Because I'm stressed and it becomes this like loop situation. Mm -hmm. Well, can you control your cortisol level? Mm. And it turns out that you can. Yeah. And not just by avoiding stress. Mm Mm-hmm but by signaling your body to control it. And and that could be through breathing or cold showers or yoga or mindfulness meditation. And there, there are many, many ways to do this. Well, the whole thing about willingly submitting your body to stress. Yeah. You know, I think there's something about when you willingly do that, that also helps you to, to handle stress when it's not as, um, uh, that might be out of your control, you know, to mm-hmm. some degree. Uh, and then think about what you do have control over rather than what you don't have control over. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have control over, you know, my body frame, <laughs> you know, it's like I'm six, three, you know, somewhat slim, you know, it's like, I can't, I'm, I'm not going to be a, uh, I'm not going to actually, if I wanted to be a, a UFC fighter, maybe if I trained or something like that, but I bet you could, <laughs> thanks fun. man. I appreciate it. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna go that way. <laughs> I'm not going to think differently there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I like I like the idea of not being not being a victim of your circumstances. And it's like who's telling you that you're a victim? Yeah, of your circumstances. Uh-huh. Whether that's about stress or anything else. Yeah, it's, and that's one thing I, I was reading Jim Quick right now. His uh, Limitless uh, book. It's really fascinating. It's like what is your inner dialogue? 
Mm-hmm. Like it's so important what your inner dialogue. That's one reason why I think critical race theory is so so uh, uh, so toxic is that you know that racism is happening everywhere at all times. Yeah. And it's like, that's a horrible inner dialogue. Mm-hmm. If you're going to see the world through that lens, like that's a very, very no- narrow lens. And that's just dangerous to, to view that way. Not that racism doesn't exist and that there's there, we need to, uh, I always feel like I need to say that. <laughs> well, I, I think that's one of the dangerous consequences of that <clears throat> mode of thinking is that you have to say, I'm not saying racism doesn't exist. Yeah. Which isn't, it's like, that's not even an, an implied rebuttal. Yeah. The idea that it always exists is... Maybe we don't go all the way down that yeah, road. Yeah, I don't know if I want to... Get, I, I want, I'm not prepared to talk about that subject. Let's, let's, let's not... I was just using that as more as like a tangential uh, 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 example of sort of like self-talk. Like, what is the voice going on in your head? It's right. like... Was I, is it that I can't do this or, uh, I'm a victim of my boss and the circumstance that I can't do something or another. Um, which in my case, I get as a boss, it's like, if someone is thinking outside the box or is being creative, it's like, I might not, you know, agree with that one idea, but I've noticed that people that continually are creative in their thinking and not limited by, circumstances if it's not their first or second or third idea they come up with something that is good and and it's very noticeable like i noticed those people um i mean especially customer service like the the people that work at medici that are just so good at including people and welcoming people and thinking outside the box as far as um their creativity <laughs> with, you know, it's like, it's like someone comes in and they're like, Hey, you know, like they'll deal with this person different from that person, different from that person, you know, but it's like, it's meeting that person where they are. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're so open and, and have dealt with so many different types that worked with so many different types of people that they've kind of developed this tool chest to make people feel comfortable and welcomed. And yeah. it's just so noticeable when, when you see somebody who's, so much more of a, a free thinker or, um, not limited, you know? Yeah. Well, in that context, it just makes me think about something that I've learned from, well, having jobs, um, having bosses and Mm -hmm. being a boss at times. Um, well, you might show up to a job and you might wonder what is my job? Mm-hmm. And generally, you will look to your boss to lay down expectations and um, define what it is that you're supposed to be doing and what your responsibilities are. And, you know, without that, maybe the first couple of days, you don't know what to do. So you mm-hmm. don't really do much. You're kind of waiting for definition. Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting dynamic, I think, is that whatever there is to be done that needs to be done what you're doing is waiting to be delegated a portion of it Hmm. and whatever else there is to be done. That isn't the delegated part defined for you is the boss's responsibility, whether he delegates that to someone else or he or she takes it on themselves. And then whatever doesn't get done, that's on the boss. Mm -hmm. So the more, you know, you could think about it as creatively, the more you do creatively or the more you think outside the box, the more you take on mm-hmm. responsibly, mm. the more responsibility you take on willingly, the more you take off of that person's oh, that's good. plate. Mm-hmm. And h- how could the response from that person be anything other than thank you? God. You know, like they, yeah. if you have a boss, your boss is going to be glad for whatever responsibility you take because that mitigates their risk of responsibility. Mm -hmm. It takes something off their plate. And, you know, we sort of define that person who does that as like a real go getter or going out, you know, Mm -hmm. out of their lane. Maybe if you want to think about it negatively or, Mm -hmm. um, but 
again, this is thinking differently and who are the people that, you know, rise up Mm -hmm. in, um, you could call this a hierarchy or whatever it is, you know, people who start at one position and move to another and end up being a boss. They are the people that are constantly saying, like they're defining for themselves what they can and are willing to do. And that ends up being a positive to Mm -hmm. those whom bear the responsibility. And that breeds more responsibility, which breeds what we would describe as success. God, there's so many people at Medicine. I mean, it's like, I've had so many great people come through the doors like that. I mean, you know, Patrick, Lorenzo, Jenna, um, Stephanie and Thomas and Tucker and, um, your brother, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I tell your brother, I, Hey, we're thinking about this. He's like, cool, cool. Chum, chum. Next day he's got it on the, everyone's tasting it. I'm like, cool. you just did that. Yeah. yeah. Monday we'll release that. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's, it, it's such a, for one thing on my side, it's like, I get to see people blossom into something as they take responsibility, you know, uh, on another side, I get to kind of reap that, um, benefit of people co- taking on responsibility Yeah, because not only are they benefiting from it, I'm benefiting from it. Medici's benefiting from it. Our customers are benefiting from it. Right. It's like when people take on responsibility and think differently, there's a such, there's so many people benefit from that. Well, maybe that's why we are inclined not to think differently. Because once you think differently, you have a responsibility mm. because you are now in relationship with something new mm-hmm. and you have, you bear now a responsibility for whether or not that will exist. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, you're going to feel a certain sense of shame. Ah, oh, that's good. So it's somehow safer to just not think differently, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> to show up to the job and be like, I'll wait to tell for someone to tell me what to do. Yeah. You know, rather than saying, I'm going to look around and see what could be done that I can do and, and do that. Just to kind of even this out a little bit. Um, I think there are times in your life where you need that. Absolutely. You know, yeah. so I, th- <clears throat> and I, again, I, sorry, I'm bringing up Medici a lot here. It's like, that's part of, we also want to like provide space for people who come and work at Medici is like, Hey, if you just need to be able to show up and do your job and do it well, and there's a spot for that, you know, yeah. there's a place for that. Um, there's just not a place for not. Oh shoot. I don't know how to say that. Well, let me give an example from my own life. Okay. Um, Well, so I was basically self-employed all of my life and then got a job and then, uh, like a, you know, like, I don't know how to, I had a W2 essentially for the first time. Um, and this was about five years ago. And then really quickly after that, and I, and I did well because I was, I was, well, I was trying really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, and made some really good relationships and built some trust and credibility at this job. And then my marriage fell apart and it was the hardest thing I've ever been through. And I basically went to my boss and I said, like, look, I'm, I can't really tell you what's going on because I don't really know what's going on, but I think my marriage is falling apart. I don't know what to do about it. I need to basically do the bare minimum for a bit and try to figure out what's going on with my family. And graciously, my boss said, let me know. Okay. Let me know what you need. Hmm, That's amazing. Yeah. It was really amazing. And I'm really, really thankful, um, that that was the response. I mean, it could have easily not been the response I think, but I I think he recognized what you are, are, are fleshing out here Mm -hmm. is that there are times when we need to rely on the structure of, of the known and, and, and the structure of the way that we think about things mm-hmm. and not try to push out of those because those do provide us safety. Those are there mm-hmm. for a reason. Totally. And, and there are times when we need to, to rest on those, mm-hmm. um, and to be given the permission to do that mm-hmm. both from 
external external sources of authority or judgment, however you want to say that, because that could be a boss, it could be a parent, it could be a partner, mm-hmm. it could be your children, your community, mm-hmm. um, but also like internally, like given permission internally to say, you know what, I need to, I need to put down some of that and, and, and seek, uh, stability in what is defined. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's also where it comes back to why it's so important that we have structures of stability Mm -hmm. is for where people, for people to fall back on. I mean, again, in Medici like we have a certain amount of, you know, checklist and procedures and all that kind of stuff. Like this is sort of like the bare, bare, bare minimum. Like, you know, it's like, this is, this is kind of where you can fall back to, you know, we expect more than that, but, and then, the, and then the other people that are, go beyond that, like, yeah. there's like, there's like this sort of like, um, wiggle room where it's like, okay, here's the line where this is the minimum expected. And if you fall below that, then, okay, Hey, we need to talk, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, I think that's the whole thing is like, you do know, you don't ever want to stay in that space. Like that's a good space to have. And it's, and mm-hmm. it's good to be able to fall back to, and we need at different times in our life. But, but that's more of a respite, you know, than it is a place you want to live. Yeah. I mean, maybe not. I mean, maybe, I, maybe this I'm is, going this too is, far. No, no, I think you're, you're exactly right. And I'm, I'm going to wrap this up. Okay. Because it, we have landed exactly on the analogy of the name of this podcast. Oh, cool. I like that. Which is that, you know, the, the quote is, as the, you say it, as the island of my knowledge increases, so do the shores of my ignorance. As my island of knowledge expands. Expands. So do the shores of my ignorance. Yeah. Well, you can't have the shores without the island. So it's not even necessarily that you need it as a fallback. It's that you can't even have something mm. to go out and to explore into without the existence of that. Mm. And yes, it is a respite. And yes, it is a place to fall back into. And But, but it's also the thing that allows the whole mm. That's good. Uh, exploratory process to exist at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So... Thanks for naming our podcast. That's perfect. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. I think you did it. Actually, I just said it out or rephrased it. <laughs> um, well, let's, 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 let's wrap this one. Okay. I, well, I, I think we should re, uh, for some reason I, I want to end with a couple of statements. Like, how are you thinking differently right now? Okay. Do me start. Or do you want to start? You're asking me. Yeah. I think that just like rhetorical. No, I think, well, I I think it is to our listeners too. It's like, how are you thinking differently? Yeah. And what can you challenge yourself this week or this month to think differently? I think, I think I have been challenging myself to think about how much could I change like how much could change by changing the smallest amount of things. Hmm. So I get up in the morning based upon what's going on in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's generally between six and eight thirty, save some weekends. Mm-hmm. But what would change if I made a commitment to getting up at the same time every day, always, no matter what was going on hmm. at minimum, you know, it would buy me, some hours that would otherwise be lost. Mm -hmm. And what would I do with those? I don't know. Yeah. That could be productive. Um, so that's kind of the, the level I've been thinking about. Yeah. I think for me, it's, um, it's kind of like the last couple weeks. It's just, I'm really interested and it kind of has to do with what you're just talking about right now, but I think yours is on a practical level. Mine's more (laughs) impractical. (laughs) 
uh, I kind of want to challenge myself more about um, how to think differently. Like I think that was the thing that kind of this week woke me up was when I saw myself 200 feet in front of me walking a certain direction. Mm-hmm. I was like, that was what I would normally do. Let me do something differently today or at this moment than I would normally do just to shake things up. So you're thinking, what are, what are like being open to other ways to shake things up that you wouldn't have noticed? Yeah. Yeah. So instead of going right, I'm going to go left. I don't know. We'll see what, we'll see what that kind of does. You see know? what happens. Yeah. So. Okay. Love it. Yeah. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Love you guys. And, uh, Hey, it's 2021. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. See you next see time. You guys. Bye.